Thanks for joining us here at Thrive Church. We're a church passionate about moving people towards Jesus. For more information, go to our website, www.thrivechurch.co.za. Good morning, church. How are you doing? You all look amazing. Uh, you are the bunch that got more sleep than all the rest. And it's paid off, really. It looks good on you. Uh, uh, I want to encourage you to register for conference. Uh, we are running out of space uh, with our two campuses in Edenville here and at Boxburg, and uh, we want you to be part of this time with us. We are so excited. We're excited to celebrate the journey we've been on for 25 years. Uh, Pastor Steve and Kathy came and uh, were planted into this a small little life group that has just grown and grown and grown. And if you look around today, God is doing some amazing things in this place. Uh, and so we want to thank him for the past, but we want to look forward to the future together as a church uh, with great expectation. Uh, and we want to uh, hear from him at this conference for what's next for us. And so make sure that you are here. Everything significant in life uh, takes some investment. It takes some uh, financial uh, investment. It takes some time uh, um, investment. And so we're asking you to invest. You will be a better person at the end of it because we would have spent time with Jesus. We would have been encouraged. Uh, We would have been re-envisioned. So register for conference. Um, We know it's going to be amazing with uh, our speakers and our guests. Uh, This morning, it is my privilege to be teaching on this Good Friday morning, uh, because Good Friday is such a significant um, event and such a significant moment for us to remember as Christ followers, Uh, because if it wasn't for uh, if it wasn't for Good Friday and if it wasn't for Easter, we would not even be here. We would not even be Christians. There would be nothing to celebrate. There would be uh, no reason for us to gather together as the church. And so it's, it's a time uh, where we could either go through the, the motions and through just like, oh, it's Good Friday, or we could pray that God speaks to us anew, that he gives us a revelation of the work that he actually did on the cross for us. And so Pastor Byron and I um, have been praying about that. We've been praying that uh, it would be new to us. It would be fresh to us, that the work that Christ did on the cross would be a revelation to us. Uh, And make sure that you hear on Easter, uh, Pastor Byron has a powerful word uh, on how we can live a victorious life and um, how we have victory through Christ. And uh, we've been in a series uh, victory once for all. And uh, this is like the, the last week of the series. But uh, the idea behind the series uh, is that we have victory through the work that Christ did on the cross. Uh, it's a victory that's been uh, given to us once and for all because of the work that Christ did on the cross. And so if you haven't listened to the podcast or if you've missed a couple of weeks, go online, have a listen, www.thrivechurch.coza. And have a listen and and just be empower yourself and equip yourself. Uh, But right now, I'd like us to stand together uh, as we pray and commit the service to God. Father God, we are so grateful for this moment in time. We're so grateful that we get to stop, to think, to pause, to reflect on the work that you did on the cross for us. God, we're so grateful. And today, God, I pray that you would give us eyes to see what you really did, 
that you would give us hearts and minds that would be soft and open to comprehend the fullness of your work on the cross. And we commit this service to you, and we pray that you would use some of the words that I say today to uh, impact and unlock things in all of us, I pray. And everybody says, amen. You may be seated. Thank you. So this year, I decided I was going to read the Bible through in a year again. I've done it a couple of times, uh, and last year, I, I decided I was going to do read one chapter of the Bible a week and just stay on that chapter and unpack that chapter and learn as much as I could about that chapter. But this year, I felt to read a little bit more, and I, was gonna, uh, and I had decided I'm going to do the Bible in a year. And it, it did not take long probably February, when I realized why I had not read the Bible through uh, in a year the previous year. Because if you have read Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy sequentially, you will know that it is painful. It is torment. It's tormenting. it's, it's just rules and regulations and sacrifices and purifications and, uh, you know, hoops to jump through and things to do and commandments and all of this just to say, God, I want to be right with you. God, I want to thank you. And it's exhausting. I mean, if you read uh, the Old Testament, you'll know that they had burnt offerings. And these are just the main five offerings. Burnt offerings, grain offerings, peace offerings, sin offerings, trespass offerings. And each of these offerings, uh, they either involved the sacrificing of animals or the sacrificing of some of their fruit or their produce. But then, not, it didn't stop there. They had to then divide the sacrifice into three different portions. A portion for God, it was either three or two, depending on what it was. A portion for God, a portion for the priesthood, all the priests, and then a portion for the priest that actually did the offering. And so it was just like exhausting, just like a lot of rules. And I want to say that I journaled. You can read my journal. Thank you, God, for where you have placed me in history. No, seriously. What you also need to understand is if you read those books of the Bible, they were walking through the wilderness, through the desert. They were on... a mission from Egypt to the promised land, and they were on a journey while having to make all these sacrifices and comply with all of these rules and make all these purifications and all of this stuff. Not only that, they had to observe the following festivals. The Sabbath, the Passover, the first fruits, Pentecost, trumpets, the Day of Atonement, and tabernacles. Like, I'm just grateful to be where I am. (laughs) But I want to say, in reading these chapters, it's given me a whole new fullness, a whole new revelation, a whole new understanding of what God, what Christ did for us on the cross. And so that, with that backdrop, there's so much more richness uh, to reading the New Testament. But While reading, I discovered that the Day of Atonement was the day 
in the Jewish calendar. It was the holiest of holy days. It was the day that was set apart. It was the day uh, that the people uh, atoned for their sins. Uh, Atone means to cover over. It was the day when they gave a sacrifice of an animal to cover over their sins. And this is the only one of these uh, festivals that I spoke about where it's actually a fast. All the rest were festivals and feasts, but this is a fast. And it was a solemn day. It was a serious day because they understood the seriousness of their sin. And so they were taking a moment to make a sacrifice to cover over uh, their sins and to be made right with God. What I want you to know is actually in the Jewish religion, uh, Yom Kippur is the Day of Atonement. And they still observe it today, uh, the Jewish people. It's quite a significant day in their calendar. And they made like a comprehensive sacrifice to cover uh, over their sins. The atonement required, firstly, a perfect, a spotless animal. It couldn't have any faults. And it had to be offered in just the right way. Now, I'm summarizing a fairly large portion of Leviticus now, uh, but I'm going to tell you how they went about the process uh, on the Day of Atonement. So a week before the Day of Atonement, the priest would make his way to the temple, make his way to it. He would stay there for about a week, uh, and then he would start to undergo purification processes so that he was ready to enter into the temple, into the Holy of Holies. And on the Day of Atonement, uh, the priest would bath, he would put on his Um, robes, special custom-made robes to enter into the presence of God. And then um, after he'd done that, he would enter into the Holy of Holies or the Most High Place is another word for it. And he would enter into the Most High Place and he would uh, light incense. And the incense were basically their prayers, the priest's prayers up to God. So after entering that first time and lighting, he would then exit. He would go out, he would find a bull, he would then sacrifice the bull, bring its blood back into the most holy place. And what he would do with the bull's blood is he would sprinkle it on the mercy seat. And that bull's blood that he sacrificed was for his own sins. And so he was saying, here God, I atone with this blood of the bull, atone for my sins. That would be the second time he entered the most holy place. And then when he exited, he would find two spotless goats, two perfectly uh, perfect goats. In Edenvale, I said ghosts. (laughs) Goats. Uh, And he would find the best two goats possibly uh, he could find. And then what he would do is he would roll a dice And God would pick which of the goats would be sacrificed for the people. And after God selected that goat, ghost, (laughs) goat, after he selected, they would sacrifice it. They would collect his blood. He would enter the third time into the Holy of Holies, the most holy place. And he would sprinkle the blood over the mercy seat. Uh, And that blood, the goat's blood, was to atone, was to cover over the sins of the Israelites. And he would exit again. So that would be the third time. He would exit. Then he would go to the living goat that was there. 
He would place his hands on the living goat and he would pray all the sins of Israel onto that goat. And then, it's the most amazing imagery, he would take the goat and send it out into the wilderness, away from the camp. So if the camp was here, he would release the goat in that direction, away from the camp, basically symbolizing that the sin of the Israelites has been removed and taken out of the camp. I mean, it's the most powerful uh, imagery, and it's such a, actually quite an emotional day. You can see why with all the sacrificing. But what I want to say is that the Old Testament and this Day of Atonement is just a foreshadow of a better covenant, of something that was to come. It, it's, it's, a, it's a shadow, you know? Yeah. It's, it's a picture. It's just a small understanding. And in literacy, a, a foreshadow is basically like a hint. You read a book, and there's a hint in the beginning about what's actually going to be happening at the end. And so this foreshadow, it was like a silhouette, a shadow uh, of what was to come. And so the Day of Atonement is known as the Good Friday of the, of the Old Testament. Because the Day of Atonement was a foreshadow of what Christ did on the cross on Good Friday. And so this foreshadow, what we need to know about shadows are two things, uh, three things. Three very important things that we need to know about shadows. Firstly, they are imperfect. So this foreshadow was imperfect. You know, if you look at that shadow, it doesn't replicate the original image identically. Am I right? You know, it's either longer or shorter, the shadow, or depending on the surface that it hits, um, you know, it it may be distorted in some way. So it's not perfect. That's the first thing we need to know. Uh, The second thing we need to know about shadows is that they are incomplete. All we are seeing is an outline on a shadow. We are seeing absolutely none of the details. There's no details uh, shown at all in, that, in this picture. There's just, it's an outline. There's lots of stuff missing uh, in the shadow. And then the last thing we need to know uh, is that the sh- shadows are temporary. The moment the sun uh, disappears, the shadow is gone. The moment the lights are off, the shadow is gone. It's just a temporary thing. And so what we need to know about the Day of Atonement, which was a foreshadow for Good Friday, is the first thing we need to know is that it was imperfect. The second thing we need to know is it was incomplete. The third thing we need to know is it was temporary. It should not be what we're still doing today. And so I want us to take a look at what the Day of Atonement was a foreshadow of. So we're going to turn in our Bibles to Hebrews 9, verses 11 to 15, and we're going to read it in the Living Bible. And it says this, He, Jesus, came as high priest of this better system that we now have. He went into the greater, perfect tabernacle in heaven, not made by men, uh, nor part of this world, and once for all took blood into the inner room, the holy of holies, and he sprinkled it on the mercy seat. But it was not the blood of goats and calves. No, he took his own blood. And with it, 
He, by Himself, made sure of our eternal salvation. And if under the old system, the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of young cows could cleanse men's bodies from sin, just think how much more surely the blood of Christ will transform our lives and our hearts. His sacrifice, listen guys, it frees us from the worry of having to obey all those old rules and makes us want to serve the living God. For by the help of the eternal Holy Spirit, Christ willingly gave himself to God to die for our sins, he being perfect, without a single sin or fault. Christ came with this new agreement so that all who invited, uh, all are invited may come and have forever all the wonders God has promised them. For Christ died to rescue them from the penalty of their sin, uh, the sins they had committed while still under the old system. From this scripture, I'd like us to see four important things. Four things that Christ did that are better. Four things that he did that are complete. Uh, Four things that are foreshadows of the day of atonement, but are now under a new covenant and a new way of doing things. The first thing is that Jesus is our high priest. You know, the high priest on, on the day of atonement, he would go and he would be the mediator. He would be the person who came between God and the people of Israel. And he would represent the people to God. But before he could do that, he had to atone for his own sins. He had to, to sacrifice a bull and say, hey, I've sinned first. Please forgive me and all my sins. And then only could he come into the Holy of Holies and atone for the people's sins and to mediate. But Jesus is the perfect mediator. He's sinless. And he did not have to go and and ask for forgiveness for his own sins because Scripture says that he was holy. He was innocent. He was undefiled. He was separated. He was set apart uh, from sinners. And he could just approach God straight away on our behalf. And so Jesus is our mediator. And he came and he approached God. And the scripture says in Hebrews that he went into heaven with his own blood. How powerful. With his own blood and he presented it to God. And he became our mediator. He became the person that bridged the gap for us to have a relationship. Not only a relationship with God, but a friendship with God. Because he's our mediator. He's the one who came between And he's the perfect high priest. It then says that he, after presenting his blood and mediated on our behalf, that he sat down at the right hand of God, signifying that his work was done, was complete. He didn't have to do it again. Once and for all, it was done. The second thing we see is that Jesus was the perfect sacrifice. On the Day of Atonement, the animal's blood is what covered over the sins of the people of Israel. It was the goat's blood that was the covering over of their sins. 
And that goat had to be without spot or blemish. But church animal sacrifice was never enough because they had to come annually into that temple to make atonement for their sins. Annually. It wasn't a once-off. It was an annual thing. And what you need to know about the Day of Atonement uh, is that it was to atone for the sins you didn't know you had committed. So they had made many previous sacrifices for the sins that they did know they had committed, but the Day of Atonement was for the sins that they they didn't know they had committed, which is such a powerful thought. And so Jesus, the perfect sacrifice, the one who knew no sin, died for all of us sinners. Christ, the innocent one, he took our guilt and our shame upon himself. Christ, the perfect lamb of God, died for us imperfect people. And Christ willingly, the scripture says, willingly laid down his life. And with the shedding of his blood, he secured our eternal salvation. Jesus paid the ultimate substitutionary and sacrificial death. He took our place. He was our substitute. And he died on our behalf because of our sins. He was sinless. He didn't need to die, but he died for us. And he entered heaven with his own blood and he presented it to God. And because of that, we are cleansed from our sins. The third thing we need to know is that Jesus is the ultimate scapegoat. On the Day of Atonement, as I said, uh, the scapegoat was sent away from the camp into the wilderness, basically representing that they were taking the sin with them. But Christ is the ultimate scapegoat, and he carries our sins away. Uh, The atonement was incomplete because all it did was cover the sins. But Christ, the living God, took our sins away. Scripture says that as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our sins from us. They have been taken away completely. There's no more guilt. There's no more shame. When he has forgiven us, there's none of it. He removes that sin. And it's Christ's blood is the ultimate atonement for humankind, uh, which takes away sin and guilt permanently. Christ is not only the perfect sacrifice, but he is also the ultimate scapegoat. Finally, Jesus' death was once and for all. Once and for all. You know, the Jewish people and the high priests, it was an annual day that they had to commemorate because their sins would basically pile up and then the day of atonement would happen and they would wipe away uh, all of those sins and they would start again. And then they would need to sacrifice again to atone for the sins they didn't even know they had committed. But Jesus' death was once and for all. Because this new covenant, this new system, this new thing that Jesus ushered in, it's complete. It is final. It is perfect. Uh, it, It doesn't need to be atoned for again. It is done. It is done once and for all. It's the ultimate sacrifice. And when he hung on that cross, his final words were, it is finished. All the sacrificing 
all the hurdles, all the rules, all the regulations, it is finished because of the blood of Jesus. The other thing we need to know is that he did this once and for all, for all. In those days, in the Day of Atonement, it was for the Jewish people and only those who worked in their houses that the atonement was made for. Not for all the nations of the world, just for the Jewish people and those, uh, those people who worked for them. But in this new, better system that Jesus ushered in for us, the cross of Jesus ushered in for us, it's for all. And we today, us Gentiles, are able to be, the scripture says, grafted in. We get to be included in the work that he did. It's not just for the Jewish people anymore, but it's once and for all people, the work of Jesus applies for all of us. Hebrews 10, 12 says this, but our high priest offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins, good for all time. Didn't have to be done again. Good for all time. And then he sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. So on this Good Friday, this ultimate day of atonement, let's remember that Jesus Christ, he dies for us. And in doing this, he became our high priest, our mediator. In doing this, he became our perfect sacrifice. Willingly, the sinless one uh, shed his blood and paid the price for our sin. He became our ultimate scapegoat, the one who removes our sin from us uh, as far as the east is from the west. And finally, his death was once and for all. Christ's work on the cross, it was perfect. Christ's work on the cross, it is permanent. We don't have to do this again. Christ's work on the cross, it's complete. It's a done work. It is finished. It is once and for all. No more atoning, no more sacrificing, no more bloodshed, uh, no more. It is finished. Teta die. Christ's words. So the question on this ultimate atonement day is how do we apply Christ's atoning work to our lives 2,000 years later? Like, how do we do it? Because truthfully, it's one thing to believe in the identity of Christ and to say with our mouth that oh, he's Lord. I mean, it's easy to say that. But it's another thing entirely to allow him to be our savior, to allow him to save our souls and our lives and to purify us of our sins and to make him our personal Lord and Savior. To have faith in his identity as Christ is only half of the process. To have faith in his ability and in his power to cleanse us and save us personally, that's the other half. That's the powerful half. Many people believe in Jesus, but they don't make him their savior. They make him their coach or their cheerleader, you know, or their advisor or their teacher. Or many say, oh, he's a good man and we can, you know, follow his example. But have we made him our savior? 
Have we allowed him to save our souls from the sin that is so deep within us? As a pastor, I meet two types of people. Uh, and, and they're happy to have a conversation. And they'll say like, you know, I'll, I'll come to church. Um, but first... I want to I want to just sort out this problem. I want to sort out my marriage or I want to stop drinking or I want to like kick my addiction or of gambling or, but I, I want to sort out that and then I'll I'll come to church or I'll come and you know meet Jesus. And then there's another school of people who will be like what do I need a savior for? I'm great. My life's great. I got a car and a house and a who needs a savior? And so there's some people who are trying to save themselves. And there's some people who haven't realized they need a savior. But scripture says in Romans 3.23, for everyone has sinned. And we all fall short of God's glorious standard. And that's why we need a savior. Because we cannot save ourselves. Scripture is clear. Right from the Old Testament, right through, we have all sinned. We all fall short. And there needs to be an atonement for that sin. There needs to be a removal of our sin. And it's not not under the old covenant, covenant where we have to sacrifice things, but it's because of the work of Jesus on the cross that we have to accept that we can be saved. When I allow Christ to be my Savior, I am actually entering into a covenant relationship. It's a spiritual marriage, if it were. You know, we're getting married to, to Christ. Uh, and basically, Scripture often, often describes Christ as the bridegroom and the church, which is us as the bride. And the reason it describes it as that is because we come in to this marriage with all of our liabilities, with all of our issues, and we bring it into this marriage and Jesus comes into that same marriage uh, with all of what he has done for us. All of the work that he did on the cross, he brings that to the marriage. And together, we become one. And together, our lives join. And together, we become perfect. Not because of me, but because of him, we become perfect. On this Good Friday, the Day of Atonement, let's not just acknowledge Christ as Lord and Savior with our mouths, but let's actually allow the power of Christ to save our souls. He willingly, very willingly laid down His life once and for all. And it was perfect, and it was complete, and it was permanent. And it's that perfect, complete, and permanent sacrifice by the perfect lamb that cleanses us and atones for us and removes our sin as far as the east is from the west. Because church, we're all messy. We're all sinful. We're all broken. And no amount of our own effort can ever clean up our own act. It's only Christ who can clean up our act. This message was recorded live at Thrive Church. 
We hope that it inspired you to move towards Jesus.